We all know Oklahoma has a ton of underrated beauty to it. The rolling hills, the countrysides, the sunsets, and even our cities. If you're interested in decorating your home or place of business with evidence showing off the uniqueness of our state, give David Schweitzer a look. David is a talented photographer hailing from Calumet who has a passion for capturing everything Oklahoma has to offer. And don't take my word for it. Check out his website at www.oklahomabackroadexplorer.com and get in touch with him. I personally like the abandoned building prints. I'm into creepy stuff, but it also kind of reminds me of what Bob Stoops must have felt when he first stepped on campus in 1998. Again, that's oklahomabackroadexplorer.com or check out his Instagram page of the same name. Follow him on Instagram and like his stuff for us. We'll appreciate it. One of David's specialties is taking his photos and printing them on wooden cutouts of the state. It'd go really well with an upside-down longhorn skull in your living room. One more time, oklahomabackroadexplorer.com. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. As long as you agree with my takes and disagree with Brady's. <laughs> Thank you. Yo. I know you like all my tweets anyways and not his. That's so. how we're going to start this thing. So, welcome to the Inside OU podcast. Thursday edition matchups for Bedlam. Oh, my God. We're here. It's starting to get cold. It's starting to get dark outside. It's that time of year for the greatest in-state rivalry in the history. <laughs> no, it's not. It isn't. But, hey, it's Brady Trantham, Keegan Renault. We've got a special guest who will be joining us uh, here and there. But uh, just a heads up, we brought three mics but the third cable didn't work, so there's going to be a whole bunch of handing off. How about that? The the movie guy can't yeah. figure out his mic. Boy, your levels. What there we now? go. Well, am I, am much, I yelling now? Much better. I'm kidding. I'll try to keep it in the green over there. So if, if, there goes the movie if, guy joke. If your levels were a heart monitor, it would be Nikki Six on all the cocaine. <laughs> Dead, exploded. But yes, the movie guy is here, Trevor Rogers. Trevor, what's your, what, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Trevor Rogers underscore one. Hey, hi. You probably know this cat. He used to be on the OU beat himself. Photos. Photos. Never took any photos for me though. No, he no he was. Um, I mean, Trevor will put out his stuff every once in a while, you know, on the gram, and he's got a very talented eye or a talent. I mean, I don't know what you want to call it, but he's got. It's very talented. So uh, we were gonna we were gonna talk to Trevor in just a little bit, but we have the housekeeping stuff that we always always have to do. But like I said, we are at our lovely lovely little downtown brewery, Vanessa House. Love it. I love it. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. I look forward to it. Now, as everybody probably understands, especially those local, which I would assume most of our listeners live in Oklahoma and probably around Oklahoma City, Norman, Edmond, that area. Um, but Vanessa House is actually going to start participating in um, what Mayor Holtz, uh, the mayor of Oklahoma City, basically called for 10 days of just laying low Oklahoma City and hopefully Norman, Edmond, Moore, the surrounding areas, Tulsa. Everybody else kind of falls into place with this. But uh, basically what they're doing is just going to uh, further separate in, inside. Masks are mandatory. I mean, we always wear masks until we start recording or if we're drinking. Uh, if you can I haven't s- ever seen you with a mask on. <sighs> well, we all wear masks, Keegan. Um, 
then I was kidding. sit outside if you can, if the weather permits. If it's not fucking windy, like it always, I hate the wind here. I hate it. I hate know, it. The wind the last two days have been ridiculous. It's, it's been ridiculous. I, I hate the wind so damn much. Where did this, I mean, obvious answer is it's weather, but where the heck did it, it came randomly. No, I guess well, it's we Oklahoma. Still forecasted, it's Oklahoma. It's it's just random weather. That's just what it is. But yes, um, come out to Vanessa House, but don't bring thirty five people. Basically, just if you do, just uh, form a line outside. And then, of course, just like we said last week, they're still doing their turkey drive uh, from now until the twenty seconds. They've got a handful of turkeys already donated. Um, if I had a little bit more money. And I think I get paid on Friday, so I might go grab one from Target or something and come bring it up here because I want to participate myself. But like I said, from now until the 22nd, uh, if you got a whole turkey, frozen turkey, just come donate it. And you get entered in uh, into a raffle to win prizes from local companies. It's cool. And it's this time of year we want to help che- people out, help our f- neighbors out. So uh, think about that, if you will. And if you're around Vanessa House, if you're around downtown Oklahoma City, come out, have a beer, and then... Uh, you got a turkey in your back seat live or dead give it to them that is of course if you don't have one yourself keegan do you have a live turkey in your car no i don't well you suck i did live in a place though where we like north edmond has wild turkeys that just go around everywhere i used to drink wild turkey a lot that went in a different direction yeah i don't remember a lot of that so there is that and then of course everybody keegan's finishing up his film (sighs) review sigh He's finishing up his Oklahoma State Iowa extravaganza State. film review on the Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. $5 a month gets you everything plus Keegan's film review. But if you don't want to give out the 5 bucks a month, then $4 a month gets you the postgame show, which will come out late, late Saturday well, night, early Sunday morning. I will say that the plan was to get the most of it done by the podcast today so you could see it so we can all have the same basis I think I've talked to you enough about what I've seen from Oklahoma State, so I'm glad that that's been done. But the wi- Wi-Fi decided to mess around today. The Wi-Fi, well, the wind blew it, probably blew it away. Yeah, it was. I, I honestly think that probably had something to do with that's it. BS. Just, this is ridiculous. But My- it is. It is being done. Iowa State will be up probably by the time this po- you get to this podcast, and I will power through the night to get the other two done. I've oh. done before. Cool stuff. We like it. And then the last thing, before we get into the fun that is Talking Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the last thing, please leave us a five-star review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Brady needs a five-star review right now. I need I need just, I need something. Adderall? Cocaine? I've never done that stuff. No? No. I'm I've such a wimp. Take an Adderall like once. I'm such a wimp. When I was in college, I went to a party with some friends, and I was fairly drunk. And then I walked in, I saw like a few lines of cocaine on the table, and I was like, "Dude, we gotta go. This is like, no, we can't be here. <laughs> can't do it." Some, you uh, need and then some, I, you need something. Bang, energy drink, Red Bull. Like I'm such a goody good, you know. Like I, I said that incredibly drunk and then i just got my car and drove home so i'm not that much of a good i'm kind of an idiot you would admit why would you admit to that well i admit to it because i don't do that crap anymore so true i was a young dumb idiot tempted fate way too much don't drink and drive everybody be smart so brady what's gonna happen with the thunder i'm kidding i'm not gonna go there but what i was gonna say is everybody think of brady trantham and every other other thunder beat rider right now because i can't i can't even imagine what it's like just 
Yo, you were up to what three in the morning last night doing NBA draft stuff with yeah, Sam Presti, where they drafted absolutely nobody that is of note. Oh, I mean, they drafted some. They drafted a guy who is of note. You just, I, I'm, this who is cares? not. This is not a snooty take. I'm not trying to be snooty here, but uh, you just haven't heard of him. But he's. He's I of mean, note. We won't hear of him until like 2025. He's oh, he'll get plenty of time. I mean, I don't know if you're noticing, but uh, oh, sell, that sell, sell. That is true. That is happening. No, hey, the guy from France is intriguing, though. Why? For the exact reason why you think. He looks like Tony Parker. He c- was playing under Tony Parker. He looks great. I'm kind of down for that. <laughs> you know what that means? Means he's probably gonna fuck one of his teammates, his wife, and cheat on his <laughs> cheat on his going, famous. We are going gr- dark. On it, the it's, inside it's, OU podcast it's, Thursday. It's dark outside, so um, we're not drunk this time. Ricky, I'm not. Not yet. Ricky Rubio ruined Sam Presti's plans. I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm, I said it on an OKC82, which you can listen to and subscribe to There's as well. The plug. I was waiting for that. That's yeah, the Thunder podcast I do for the Franchise Podcast Network. So give that if you're into NBA basketball. If you're into NBA basketball. If you're into National Basketball Association basketball. And the Thunder, then give OKC82 a listen as well. I do that with Ryan Chapman and Christine Butterfield and then some friends along the way. So, But now we are here for the Oklahoma State game. Big game. Big game. Uh, they say it's a big game. Big, I mean, big, big game. It's so big that college game day is going to be there, and you know what? It's so big that no one else is going to be there. It's just going to be Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, it's not Reese. Is it Reese Davis? Because, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Chris Fowler. Chris doesn't Fowler do doesn't do it anymore. He just anymore. gets drunk after games now. He just gets drunk and he uh, calls the game and yeah, and then who else is there? Who's the third person? Desmond that's not Howard. Oh, Pollock. Oh. Hey, Pollock's been good this year. I'll I don't give Pollock credit. I don't care about. I I, I watch Big Noon Kickoff. Des, Desmond Howard's an idiot. I watch Big Noon Kick. I haven't watched Game Day. I I, I watched the first Game Day this year, and when I realized that they had Lee Corso, I mean obviously I. I appreciate that they have him away from, like, just not traveling, just staying at home. And it's cool that they're trying to, like, make him still, like, feel included. But because of the delay and because of Lee Corso's internal delay in his head, it was just so hard it's to bad. watch that I'm like, I'm just going to watch Big that New Kickoff. That part of it, he needs to get cut off. And It's one, been past time. Once I made the switch to Big New Kickoff, I'm like, hey, this is just a better presentation. I actually, I actually have, found my, or I have found myself – liking what Urban Meyer has to say and what he brings to the table in terms of his breakdowns uh, and coverage. I'm sure he's a great coach, yeah. Yeah, he just – unfortunately, he just can't remember yesterday. No. But uh, yeah. prayers for Alleged- Urban Meyer. Allegedly. No, but uh, before we get deep, deep, deep into the annals of uh, the OUO Oklahoma State game – That let, dark. Let's introduce our good friend and our guest – Mr. Trevor Rogers, as I hand him the microphone. So, good thing, listeners, you won't get to hear me. So, Trevor – how much do you miss being in scrums for OU football? A lot. Um, a lot more than I kind of ever anticipated. I, I, I don't necessarily miss um, some of the hours. <laughs> but uh, What but about yeah. the people? You miss the people on the beat? I, I miss a lot of people on the beat. You know, Wrong good. answer. I do. I, I, I had some friends on the beat. I'd, le- I'd hate every single one of them. I dig no, it. I respect I'm kidding. The, I respect the take. <laughs> uh, no, I, I miss a lot of people on the beat. Um, it, and I really miss... Uh, I miss shooting games. Um, you know, being a part of that is, is, is a fun deal. It's a unique unique thing that you get to tell people you get to do. So, it, I, Hey, to that, I mean, get to go cover a big Bedlam game this weekend, Peach Bowl last year. No, absolutely. No, you hit the, I think you hit the nail on the head yeah, there. It, it is a unique experience. You can't trade it for anything, you know. I always get to tell people, hey, I got, I got to go to a Rose Bowl, you know. 
that no one will ever be able to take that away from me. I got to go to an incredible Rose Bowl. See, I never got to go to the Rose Bowl, Trevor, so I'd appreciate if you don't talk about well, that. We can take the rest of the podcast and turn it into the Rose Bowl podcast if you want. I don't sure think – I don't think – I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. It's okay. It's all right. Atlanta's cool. I love Atlanta. I loved Atlanta. You're right. Remind our loveliest, Trevor, who uh, you worked for, how long you did it, what your favorite memories are of the Beats, all those fun things. And uh, obviously by now, for our listeners, uh, Trevor's wearing a mask. He is refusing to take it off. Uh, I guess he's trying to hide something, maybe a pimple or something. No, he's just being smart. But Trevor, yes, please remind our listeners, for those who may not be too familiar with your former OU work, uh, just how much, how deep you were in to OU football. Yeah, I was fortunate to work for 24-7 sports for four years and you know, CBS Digital and more specifically OU Insider. Um, worked with you know, Joey Helmer, Brandon Drum, those guys, uh, James Hale for a little bit and you know, got to cover a lot of great football games, a lot of awesome you know, Red River shootouts. Three college football playoffs, one Sugar Bowl, uh, a Final Four run too, uh, the Buddy Heald year, which I think actually I'll probably still maintain was probably my most fun, the most fun I had covering OU OU sports, um, just because there, it's really hard to beat March Madness, you know, from the from the Big Twelve tournament, Buddy Heald hitting that half court shot that wasn't, uh, and then all the way to you know getting their ass kicked by Villanova. That was an experience, and being able to watch basketball all day, back to back to back, is it's 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 a cool thing. Um, so, sorry, man. I I'll always go to bat go to bat for for Buddy Heald and that team. That the the team that just did not deserve to lose the way that they lost. Um, I mean, I get it. They got their ass kicked, but it it is what it is. Sorry. <laughs> Buddy Heald deserved better, just like Baker Mayfield. So uh, I guess the common thread there is, Trevor, you went to you went to the Final Four, and then you went to the Rose Bowl. So no more big OU football games for you. Yet, yet. Uh, Keegan, hi. How much do you hate Trevor? How much did you hate oh, him? Oh, I loved Trevor. Really? Trevor and I would mess with each other. Every I thought day. the OU beat all hated each other. See, that's what I was telling. That's what I was saying. It, that the beat itself, you leave it. Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm kidding. I love everybody. Just like what Trevor said, I loved everybody on the beat for the most part. Every, for I, the most part, that's, I think that's I the think you word. can. I I think all three of us here understand where my line is at with some, but that's okay. It is what it is. It's a it's a it's a unique group. There's a lot of egos, but I, there's good I, people. I mean, some some people and you no know, jokes kind of been made around on the social waves this week. But I mean, asking players if they're 100 percent boomer sooner is always great. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of fun with that. Our friends at Sooner Scoop had a <laughs> lot of fun with that. Um, you know what? I don't care. I'm not, I know you I, don't. I'm not on the beat. No. Like, I thought it was. It's funny though. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's okay. I'm just. Be- a, hey, Bedlam. I'm bedlam, just a, bedlam, 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 Bedlam. I'm just a crazy fan. Uh, no, but Trevor, you've helped me out a handful of times. And so I wanted to help you out with something, something that's actually fairly important for obviously now, but obviously the f- and in my opinion and probably everybody's opinion, the future that of Oklahoma City and just Oklahoma is just the film industry because you left the OUB to chase your passion uh, for filmmaking. And you've actually been 
fairly involved and directly involved with a lot of projects over the last few weeks, a few months that I'm sure a lot of our listeners and a lot of people on Twitter have actually seen, but may not be too familiar that, oh, Trevor did that? So uh, just give us a rundown of where you're at now, uh, what you're doing, who you've been working with recently, and what Oklahoma City's kind of pivot into trying to attract more big-time film companies to come here and, and film bigger movies what that means for the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, so I, I made the jump a few years ago. Uh, always wanted to work in film, and, and that's kind of where my broadcasting career, um, I thought what I was going to do was work in sports broadcasting, and uh, knew that I always wanted to work in movies instead, use the creativity a little different way. And uh, when you say you're going to go work in film in Oklahoma, it's kind of that, that same weird look of, you know, like telling your parents, I'm also a registered Democrat. Like you get that weird that like, oh really? That's okay. So <laughs> the, uh, maybe too soon, too soon after the election, uh, say that. Okay, uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's but it's that same. It's that same tilt your head and like that's kind of cute. That's cool that you think that that you're going to be successful doing that. Um, but what I found is uh, Oklahoma's got an awesome growing industry, and I think that's something that really kind of drew me to it is. I've always been a person that really likes to start from the ground up. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to move away. I didn't want to move to Atlanta. I didn't want to move to uh, LA. And you're seeing all these, these influx of these awesome productions coming to the state. You know, we just had a, a $20 million feature film up in Guthrie, of all places, uh, just finished shooting just a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and that one, you know, will be wide theatrical release. Um, it's a biopic about Ronald Reagan. You know, that'll be coming out in the next few months. And then looking ahead, you know, Martin Scorsese's coming here, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, getting to work on work with productions, you know, like Matt Damon, who was here for a few weeks uh, last summer, uh, working for, you know, TV, the, the Discovery Channel. Um, that, that's been a highlight uh, for me. And it's just growing so quickly. And so what I do now is, is primarily take, you know, that same passion energy that I have for wanting to work in this industry and, and look, at, look down the field at, we're on the cusp of, of bringing about $400 million of production um, to, to Oklahoma City over the next four years. And there's some incredibly exciting opportunities with new studios coming in. You know, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is about to position itself to have the largest film studio in the central part of the United States and be competitive with Atlanta, LA, and like I said, $400 million of production's coming here. And so what I've done in primarily is I train our new filmmakers. Um, that I'm not a teacher, I'm not an educator, but I use my industry experience and the connections that I've made in our industry to help develop and cultivate uh, a, new, a new form of business that can really thrive here in Oklahoma City. And so that's where my passion's at, is to, is to see a new opportunity, see Hollywood come to Oklahoma, these big movies being made. There's some unbelievable opportunities, you know, coming down the pipeline. Now, these are just regular movies, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> just making sure. Figured people may want to know that. Or are you talking about adult films, Keegan? I was just talking about normal movies. Do you watch a lot of adult films? Just normal movies. Is that why you Ask didn't do the Kansas film movies. review? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you could have done a film review for that stuff too, and they would have been uh, fairly similar to what OU probably what OU's defensive line did to poor Jalen Daniels. Now, but um, no, Trevor, 
you didn't mention who you worked with, and uh, that's your first strike. This is my podcast. You do what I tell you. I'm just kidding. Um, you did work. Uh, you did. You worked with uh, JB, Oklahoma City uh, rapper, activist, fairly famous. If you're from here, you've heard you've heard of him. But uh, you worked on how many of his music videos? One or two? Two music videos. So uh, basically, just YouTube JB. If you want to see how talented Trevor is, how legit it is, because it's not Trevor's not over here like filming with his iPhone. Like this is legitimate. Uh, process that Trevor uses and he's very talented and when I got all that news about Mayor Holt, Oklahoma trying to pivot more towards uh, attracting the film industry to come to Oklahoma and obviously I mean it's cheap to film here so there are some some built-in in- incentives from ho- for Hollywood to come here in the first place and it seems like over the last few years even before this has kind of become like a major uh, point for Oklahoma to try and attract Hollywood to come here. There have been more and more movies that have been based in Oklahoma or at least filmed in Oklahoma uh, for financial reasons. So uh, I, I just think it's cool. And look, maybe there's a listener out there that has a kid, uh, a son or a daughter who's coming up and they're interested in the film industry. I mean, I sure as hell would have enjoyed doing it instead of like, I love history. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have had a lot more fun in college if I had done something like film, like film or something. And maybe there's a listener out there that um, has a kid or somebody that they know that's interested in trying to get going. So uh, you were actually just in an article recently, kind of about this topic. Yeah. So uh, for for reference, who I work for, uh, I am the executive director of the Film Education Institute of Oklahoma which is a new nonprofit that's entirely dedicated to getting people onto film sets. And, and Brady hit the nail on the head. It's all about opportunity and getting people to realize that you can work in, in film here. And there's such like a, a miss, you know, like a misnomer about what it is to work in film. You know, you're the director, you gotta be some, you know, pompous, arrogant, artist uh you know wear a funny hat and and have weird facial hair like it does it does um yeah you can't see under the mask i'm actually you know i've got my pencil thin mustache and a goatee now so like that's that's where i'm at in my life um no it there's there's hundreds if not thousands of jobs to be had in this industry from the more artistic you know visionary type stuff like directing producing writing uh, art department, production design, to the, the technical side of things, of, of grip, rigging, electric, lighting, uh, you know, set construction. That's, that's the direction that we need to go. We have to bring in hundreds and, and thousands of, of skilled workers to staff these movies um, because, you know, they pay incredibly well and it's a unique industry that not many people get to be a part of. And so... Th- that is what we're looking down the barrel of. Again, $400 million of production over the next four years right here in Oklahoma City with huge Hollywood names attached to these projects. I mean, everybody's heard, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese and De Niro are going to be uh, up in the Tulsa area, you know, as early as, as March next year. Um, there, We need 500 crew members just for that project alone. Um, so... You know, there's not a ton of people that work in film and TV in Oklahoma right now. 
that's the direction that our new nonprofit is going is to get those people on set. You know, I come from a background of production management, production supervising, line producing, directing, and working on the rental side of things, working in a, a rental house. And we've been fortunate enough to take all the equipment that we have, the experience that we have, put it with industry professionals that have worked on big movies, you know, like Thor, Black Panther, um, you know, even some of the bigger ones that have shot here, like August Osage County. Those guys work all over the world, but they also work here in Oklahoma City, and they, they've got an opportunity to teach these students um, firsthand how to work on these big films. And that's what we're actually looking to do at the end of December. We're going to be hosting a two-day educational workshop for Oklahoma City residents with federal CARES Act dollars, where if you've been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, you're at least 18 years old, and you need to be retrained well, guess what? We've got hundreds of jobs for you um, to come get your hands on. If you've ever wanted to work in a, in a film set, you can register right now. And I'll go ahead and plug that, www.castlerowstudios.com slash workshops. Those are, uh, that's our partner that we're working with. And you can sign up to go work on a real film set with the guys, with the men and women that, that make the biggest movies all over the world. You can do it right here in Oklahoma City. So that, that's what we're working on. That's why I'm here tonight is to plug that um, and talk also a little bit Bedlam. But mostly, if you want to work in this industry, if you want to have that opportunity, it's not far off. You don't have to move to Atlanta. don't have to move to L.A. You can get your start this winter, and it's totally free if you live in Oklahoma City. Bravo. 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 Do we have to throw flowers at you? Is that what happens in this business, Trevor? No, I don't know. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said cocaine no um again like i would assume you know everyone that's listening to this podcast probably like uh what's going on like talk about bedlam i get it but i don't know how many times i've listened to podcasts about sports about history about um comedy like whatever and then just some off the beaten path topic pops up and it just piques my interest and it's something whether i buy it whether i get into it whether i research it out further so again i'm when you when you came to me trevor or when you texted me and said like if uh you guys have any time on the podcast i'd love to come talk about like all this i just thought about you know what there's maybe a few people that ha that know somebody that is interested and if it's just one person then you know then i've done my job and you've done your job so uh, again if you did want to listen to that you could have fast forward through it um but I understand. Breaking. No, but I understand all the Inside OU listeners are very, very well educated. These are classy people. They sip wine, uh, expensive bottles of wine, while they listen to our lovely, lovely voices, especially Keegan's. They might even take a few uh, articles of clothing off. I mean, I don't know, because we get so deep in the anals. This is, yeah, we're getting very weird tonight, I guess. No, it's, it's going to get. Hey, the Thunder traded somebody. Uh, God in heaven. No, oh, God. It's, it's a joke. They really didn't trade anybody. It's a conditional no. second-round pick for something. I don't know. Random. Presti. Bedlam. Vincent Por Poirier in cash considerations to the OKC Thunder. Just because. Happy Thursday, Brady. This is going to be a fun edit. But before we get Trevor out of here, or um, before he just kind of walks over to the bar and has a beer, I mean, I don't know what Trevor's going to do, but uh, Trevor, you have a take on the Bedlam game, just like everybody does. And... I think you summed it up perfectly right when I walked in. I've never felt so sure about an OU victory 
But, and I'll just, the floor is yours again. But it's Bedlam. And I was talking to Keegan about this a little bit earlier. And, and he'll, he's got a better take on it. I feel like I know more about this Oklahoma State team than I know about this Oklahoma team. I, I've, seen, I've seen how well they've played over the last three weeks. And is it fool's gold? You know, you've got uh, a solid matchup against a Texas team that still stinks, but, you know, they, they still have talent and a big rivalry that's always going to be a close game. TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, you know. But the, the difference is, is Oklahoma looked like Oklahoma against, against those three opponents. The offense just found a new, a new stride. The defense, the addition, you know, bringing back Ronnie Perkins. You know, what a difference that guy makes. But... Is, is it fool's gold? Does it matter? Um, is, is Oklahoma stri- hitting their stride offensively? Is the defensive line really going to be able to do what we think they're going to do against Oklahoma State's suspect offensive line? I think there's a lot of confidence that people have in this Oklahoma State team because of how solid they are defensively, and 100% they are. And we know the weapons, the talent that they have offensively. Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders, you know, Discount Spencer Sanders, in my opinion, at your own risk. I think the guy's got a ton of talent. And I think he's going to make plays and he's going to score points. And it's going to be frustrating. So to me, is can Oklahoma do it for 90, 98% of the game? Or is it going to be like Kansas State where they go out, kick some ass, and just give up big play after big play in the second half because they fall asleep? I don't think, that's, I don't think the game is going to be out of hand enough to do that. But you get what I'm saying? Like, Oklahoma can do what it needs to do every, every down, every play, but if they give up a 70-yard bomb and it, score, it turns into six points, you know, they can't do that a ton. And I still feel like this team is totally capable of giving up big plays like that, despite how well they've, they've played recently. And I, I, I just wonder, to me, I still think Oklahoma wins this game because you're asking Mike Gundy, in my opinion, still to be something that he's not. Mike Gundy is going to have to do something different. He's going to have to be the guy that goes for it on fourth and one from, you know, from his own 48-yard line. Like, he's going to have to take those chances. And in Mike Gundy's tenure, we've never seen him really do that, especially in Bedlam. So take the home team. I'm going to take them to cover. But I, I will, I'll say this. I won't be surprised at all if Oklahoma State wins this game just because – does is Oklahoma really as good as we think they are? That's that's the best I can I can sum it up. Are they as good as we think? What about are? score prediction? I will take Oklahoma thirty four, Oklahoma State twenty three. I think Oklahoma covers. I think they pull away a little late in the second half, and I think it comes down to if if, if the status quo remains the same and Oklahoma really gets after Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma's defensive line is the best I've seen in a long long time. I think. If they get after Spencer Sanders, Sanders is going to turn the ball over, and I think that's your difference. Is I think Oklahoma finally breaks away, gets a field goal late or a, a touchdown late to really get over that gap. I think it's going to be a close game into the fourth quarter, and I think I think you're going to see OU pull away late. There you go. It's Trevor Rogers. We have Brady Trantham here, who's typing away as a Thunder beat writer, and this I'm is the Inside two, OU podcast. I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to do two things, and if anybody can't tell, I'm tired like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Last night was really long, but 
uh, yeah, the Thunder are doing stuff. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. But foots, footskitball season is kind of hard for me in my brain. But um, Trevor, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Like I said, you've helped me with a handful of things over the years. Uh, even back when I started trying to get into this business or talking about maybe getting into this business, you were really helpful and you were like, you had advice, you had stuff like you had people that you could like follow this guy on Twitter, follow, like do this, do that. So you've been extremely helpful. You've been a good friend and I'm sorry that the third mic cable didn't work and that this was an extremely Don't awkward, sorry. That's awkward recording. Fault. That's his fault. It's look, I have a third cable, but it didn't work either. So th- th- there's something so mysterious you going the on. The film guy could have brought the right cable. Well, it's this is audio recording. This is not film. Whatever. Same thing. Uh, by the way, how are you going to get Leo on the podcast for us? A lot of money. If you get a lot of money, you'll get Leo. I mean, we got a lot of beer here at Vanessa House. He likes beer. I could tell by his his body type. You like beer. You downed yours. Yeah. What were you drinking? Uh, Destination Wedding at Vanessa House Beer Company on 8th and Broadway, right down the street from a hideaway pizza. That sounds so good. That sounds really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, one more time, Trevor. 34-23. 34-23. Oklahoma covers late. Who's OE's best player in this game? Ronnie Perkins. Fair. Going with the safe pick. You're going to hate me because I'm going to... Trajan Bridges! I'm going with a safe pick in this game as well. Later on. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, I'm mad at you guys. How come no one asked if Trajan Bridges was going to play this game? He, he brought him up that. independently of his we own may, accord. May need to ch- we may need to check on that. I'll just leave it at that. We may need to check on it. Uh-oh. We seriously may need to check on that. Everything's everybody's healthy, right? Yes. All the starters are going to play, right? Not all the starters. What? 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 What's going on, Keeks? I will say this: I don't know anything about anything COVID-related that's been going around right now. Yeah, I'm confident that Austin Stogner is going to play Saturday. Hundred percent. 90, 95 percent. Hopefully, it's just not a Hollywood Brown Orange Bowl situation. No, he okay. If because that if he didn't have the bye week, if Oklahoma State was played last week, I don't know if he would have played. But I can say that he will. It's looking very good that he's going to play on. Oh, I'm really glad Spencer Rattler showed how tough he was on that goal line run. But we've talked about that enough. You just have to keep bringing that up. You're going to hold that against him until he's done, right? He almost got one of our best players hurt. Moving on. So everybody is – so you're not expecting no, any COVID nonsense in terms of OU as I kick the stand. <laughs> you're not expecting any COVID nonsense in terms of OU, OSU, players, starters, contributors. I would, would, wouldn't rule it out. Uh-oh. But I, I'm not – again, I'm not positive on that. I'm glad you're not positive. Otherwise, I'd be like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, I haven't, been, I haven't worn my mask. On this entire podcast, uh, everybody on this on this podcast has tested very positively. Yes, as our uh, president described at one point in his tenure. Um, yeah, so I guess Keegan, let's let's get right down to it. I mean, you're the one who's done the deep dive on Oklahoma State. I've gone back and watched a few of their games. I've also had an opinion of them overall this season after watching bits and pieces of all their games, and. Like, off the top of my head, like, I'll just say, like, my opinion, my general opinion of them, my impression of them, and then having watched them a little bit more closely in a few games is fairly similar. 
So basically what I mean is the defense is, is good, but like I've said a few times on this podcast, I think we inflate how good they are because it's Oklahoma State. I think if Oklahoma trots out that defense, I think we're all saying the same things, but Oklahoma's defense has been laugh out loud bad, so basically anything with a pulse is going to appear very good. Oklahoma State, just because of expectations, just because of the stage that they usually play on, has never really been afforded the situation to look as laugh out loud bad as OU's defense has over the last few years, if that makes sense. And then on on offense, they've got talent, but man, is it heavily reliant on Spencer Sanders to do his job. And Not even just that. I would. I mean, they basically at times, like third down. Sometimes, for the most part, it's third down. Sometimes it's early on the early downs, but. It's almost like they just have a play that's described to Spencer Sanders as look to Tyler Wallace's way and throw it his way. Like It's very clear that that is a big part of what they do offensively is we're going to figure out whatever way possible to get this man the football. And credit to him. I mean, big-time player. And a guy that I've been extremely high on for a while. Um, everybody has really since the start of last – since the he started playing last year. Um Obviously, I had the big game against Texas two years ago, but uh, no, I mean, they, th- their identity offensively is very easy to figure out. Yeah, and it's even easier to figure out once you even do a, a tiny little deep dive. And yep. when, I, when I tell you this, like, w- what do you say? Tylen Wallace, one of the best, probably the best receiver in the country in terms of his production and, and his talents, you can put him up there. He's a, he's a top receiver in the country. Definitely the best receiver in the Big 12 as of right now. Tylen Wallace and then OSU's second uh, most dangerous receiver, Dylan Stoner, they've combined for 57 catches. The other 9, 10, 11 players that have caught passes in this Oklahoma State offense have combined for 53 catches. So two guys have over 50% of the catching production in this offense. So you could look at that and say, well, duh, like you want to throw it to your best players as much as possible. But one of the things that we kind of hated on, I mean, at least I did with Jalen Hurts last year was he locked on to CeeDee Lamb and didn't balance it out. Like that's what Kyler was good at. That's what Baker was good at. So how much of it is Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State's offense just, hey, that's what works, do it until someone stops us? Or is it just because of Spencer Sanders' inability to balance it out like a Jalen Hurts can? Can't, it's, excuse me. You know, it's it's one of those things like Spencer has this big problem in his head where he thinks he can make every throw, and he's not good enough yet to make all those throws. Yep. And I think for a lot of the reasons what you were just saying is the reason why he gets to that point. Because he just... It's like, okay, I, I, th- I know this guy should be open in this zone. I'm going to make this throw because I had the arm talent to do it. So he locks in and does it. And clearly he's not, that, he's not capable of doing that. Oklahoma State does a really good job scheming to that. I think they do a good job of trying to get him in situations that he doesn't have to make too many reads. And that helps him out a lot. But this is a guy that we've seen the highs of highs. We've seen the lows of lows so far already in 2020. And I'm interested to see how he responds because there's going to be adversity on Saturday for him. There's going to be times where he's going to get hit hard in the backfield. There's going to be times where Oklahoma's going to get home. And if this is a guy that needs to be able to step up, he needs to be able to make some plays, he needs to be able to take his lumps, and he needs to be able to move on. And 
I think, you know, conversation, I know we're not moving over to the Oklahoma offense yet, but I, I think that conversation can be said the other way around as well. And it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, how those teams handle adversity on Saturday to your, you know, something that we're going to talk about here later on, but how both teams handle adversity is obviously extremely important in every football game, but yeah. especially in this one where there's going to be a turnover, there's going to be a sack, there's going to be a bad play, there's going to be a drop, there's going to be a missed block, there's going to be all sorts of different things. Whoever can deal with that the most probably is going to put themselves in position um, to be successful, and, and that really does start with Spencer Sanders. Well, again, like when I when I tell you that two guys are carrying more than the lo- like more than their share of the load in Oklahoma State's passing offense. And then we also understand that the defensive line is going to have a lot of success, more than likely, against Oklahoma sure. State's offensive line, which means that Spencer Sanders won't have a lot of time. Like, is it something as simple as it doesn't matter? Like, Spencer Sanders is just going to throw it up in the sky and Tylen Wallace, Dylan Center can just go make plays against OU Secondary? Or, in your opinion, does it make it easier for OU Secondary to know that, hey, you've really just got to – I mean, you've got to account for everybody. I'm not going to put down Oklahoma State skill guys, but really when you look at them on film – it's two guys, and when you know that they're not going to have all day to throw because of their O-line and OU's defensive line, that, in my opinion, that makes the secondary's job easier, and OU's secondary is the worst unit on the field for Oklahoma offense and defense combined, right? No. I mean, yes, no. I, you know, it, it's like the fact that they have the one guy – and they do whatever they possibly can to line him up as far outside as possible. Like, it may get in one of those situations where Oklahoma is, like, forced to have to play him straight up, if that makes sense. Like, but at the same time, like, you can do different things, like put a guy in the flats, like an overhang, put Buki or Nick Benito or somebody that's going to cover underneath in case they do a slant, and you kind of have your guy to play free and just don't get beat deep. So, it's... It's going to be interesting to see how they use Brady, no doubt. Um, and to your point, yes, like it's it's truly, you know, Mike Gundy called Oklahoma a one-man show a year ago, right? Like that's that's Oklahoma State. Like that, there's no way fans are about to it. It is get the ball to number two and figure out how many yards he can put up, how many big-time catches he can make. Yeah. And it's 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 a problem. They they do a good job though scheming it up to where he is in a situation that is going to have a chance for him to have a lot of success. And I'm talking about Tylen Wallace. Um, so it kind of takes away the, you know, lock and gone as well as only having one guy to throw to whenever they do a good enough job of providing him an opportunity where he, he is in a one-on-one matchup already. And it's a matter of going and winning it. And it's a matter of, you know, Oklahoma, be, you know, Oklahoma State has to block up front a little bit. But if, if they're in those, what the picture I posted on Twitter today, if they get into one of those situations, it doesn't matter that much because the ball's going to get, they're going to be able to get rid of the football pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and that's a ma- obviously a major concern. And I just, as we're listening to this, just finished up the Iowa State one. It's, it's up on there. And it's something I pointed out. Like, they, Oklahoma State does some things in the pa- immediate passing game, like underneath stuff, that, like, they're going to, yeah, that, I mean, they're going to have a lot of success doing that against Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's shown they can't defend against that, like what Kansas State did, Iowa State did a little bit, um, what Texas Tech attempted to do and absolutely fell right on their face of doing. Um, so, you know, they do things offensively that's going to allow them to have success. And it's all just all about Tylen Wallace, but dealing with number two is obviously the most important thing. And they've talked about that, talked about that this week, and it is by far – he, I think, dictates – how this game's going to go 
if Tylen Wallace is. Well, because I was actually just going to ask you, simply put, can Tylen Wallace have a below-average game and OSU win this game? No. Because you could, if you're an OSU homer, you could look at that and say, maybe Tylen Wallace just garners so much attention from OU secondary that Dylan Stoner or somebody else has a big game as a result. Or maybe the running game gets going because they break some tackles yep. from a sure-handed front seven, relatively speaking, from OU's defense, and OU's defense just has a bad day at the office. So, I mean, yeah, I would say nine times out of ten, Tylen Wallace has a below average game. They're, they're getting beaten. They're probably getting run. I think you can simply say that. And I know history has no bearing on the present when you're talking about, f- like, a sport, but we've seen OU – we've seen worse OU defenses smack OSU when they've had very good receivers – so, like, that's always my problem when we're talking about an opponent that has a great receiver. It's like, do they have a great receiver and a good offensive line or a great receiver and a good quarterback? Mm-hmm. That's the dangerous combination when you're talking about a great receiver. But if you have a great receiver and a bad offensive line, average offensive line, and a quarterback that, I mean, there's some questions around all the time, I'm sorry. Like, you're only as good as the guy throwing to you, and you're only as good as the guy throwing to you how much time he has. So that's why we keep going in the stupid cycle of, well, OU's defensive line is going to kick their ass, right? Yeah, and it's something along the lines of what both of y'all have said so far, that it, that matchup is very obvious, that like Oklahoma has a chance to really dominate the game in that way. And it is going to be interesting to see how Oklahoma State combats that because – like, they showed a little bit in the Texas game more than anything else that they can sustain some drives, and that's going to be a huge factor. They're going to have to be able to put some 8, 9, 10 play drives together. They're not going to be able to beat Oklahoma um, with big plays unless the missed tackles show up, which is what you just highlighted, um, something that needs to be highlighted a lot. Like, like Chuba Hubbard hasn't had that great of a year? No. Um, has he taken some hits in the backfield because of the offensive line? Yes. But this secondary – that missed tackles have shown up before, especially from the safety positions, from the linebackers as well. And if th- those guys aren't tackling well, that Oklahoma State running game gets going. LD Brown's not going to mess around. He's going to hit you. He's going to pop you around the mouth. Like, I think he's – I'm not going to say he's better than Chuba. I think Chuba – the things that when Chuba does something well, it's very obvious that he's a next-level running back. But LD Brown's – I mean, he's going to hit you right in the mouth, and he's, he's not going to be waiting for you – um, to meet him there either. He's going to beat you there. And it's – so, they, you know, miss some, they missed some tackles. You know, it, this is a game where Oklahoma could be really on their heels for the most part defensively, and that's not what this defense needs to be. This defense needs to be up up on their toes and they be able to be up front. They'd be able to be disruptive, be this, be that. Well, we saw in the Iowa State game, they could be as disruptive as they want, and it may not matter whenever you miss that many tackles. So, um, major highlight there uh, for this game, and – is, you know, so along the lines of you know, something that I guess kind of mentioned here, uh, I don't know, a little bit, a lot of bit, what it may be, but I've heard a lot of talk this week, Brady, about how Oklahoma State can deal with Oklahoma up front, and I just don't see it. Their defensive line? No, like, Oklahoma State's offensive line, how they could potentially be able to deal with Oklahoma up front. Well, it would surprise everybody. Like, that's that's usually the thing. Like, when whenever you're hearing fan media – the, the easiest example I could use to you is there was at one point last year going into the Peach Bowl where on this podcast when Hoover was on it with me where I started to talk myself into, hey, OU could have a chance. Whenever you hear fans that 
are on podcasts or that are in media or that put out like their opinions on social media, which they can. But when they start saying things that, well, this could happen. But if that example that could happen would, if that would happen, if it surprised everybody, if it actually happened, that to me is like, okay, you're just, that's wishful thinking. So it's wishful thinking that Oklahoma State's offensive line can handle Oklahoma's defensive line. Really what it comes down to is, does the defensive line get home? That's always a question. Like, do they get too deep and Spencer Sanders breaks up field and makes a play? Does he break contain and buy some time and find Tylen Wall, Stillen Center, whoever else, you know, 17, 18 yards downfield for a big uh, conversion? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. That's what was the difference between OU losing and, I- and winning in Iowa State was just the defensive line got pressure without Ronnie Perkins. Yep. And a much less healthy OU team, a much less conditioned OU team. We all know the factors back then. Uh, but their problem was Brock Purdy just made a, a sidestep here or there and got out of pressure and was able to buy more time. And, and threw, threw, threw the football away for the most part. Brock, he, he didn't make many plays. He either threw the football away, Keegan, or he threw it directly to Patrick Fields and he dropped it. So <laughs> it would just be very atypical if Oklahoma State's offensive line handles this defensive line. Now, that doesn't mean that OU is just going to have success because, like I said, OU's defensive line has to finish the play once they take care of business. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they they have a chance up front to really, you know, you want to talk about make a name for yourself. This national primetime television, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, whole shebang, and you, you've got a chance Saturday night, Nick Benito – Ronnie Perkins, Perrion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, that whole group. You go out and dominate this game. Like, I mean, all you got besides Thomas, Thomas can graduate. But for the most part, those guys probably have a chance to come back. I mean, make a name for yourself. I mean, they've, they've got an opportunity to do that Saturday night. I, I, I don't – this Springfield kid, the walk-on, that has played well at times this year, and he's got good length at left tackle. But, like – I don't know if he can deal with Nick Benito. I don't know if he can deal with Ronnie Perkins. Tevin Jenkins can. I don't know if Springfield can. And if you go look at the Texas game, all they did was keep lining up Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito over that right tackle who couldn't block anybody. So I mean, Alex Grinch is smart. Like he's not going to be stupid. He's going to he's going to line up Nick Benito and Ronnie Perkins over Drake Springfield a lot on Saturday. But what if Alex Grinch is dumb? Well, tomorrow I'm pistols firing. <laughs> What if he just decides not to do that, Keegan? Uh, I'd be very shocked. And then I think the one, the matchup that's not being talked about enough, and I've, you know, credit Adam Lunn, a guy that you go know, listen to his podcast. Not a lot of you would probably be happy to, too happy with, but, and I disagree with him. In oh, some Adam, points. Adam's like I've seen his stuff. Like he's 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 smart. Yeah, no, just, he's he's just, really good at what he does. Pistols firing, like those guys are smart too. Like, oh I'm yeah, not I don't hate them. But a point that he's continued to bring up and one that needs to get hit home probably the most of any of these matchups is that, like, Perry on Winfrey against the center is a big problem yep. for Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Like, amongst – you could talk about Springfield. You could talk about these edge rushers. You know about this. Rye Schneider, if he plays, I believe he should play Saturday, he is going to have a hard time blocking Perry on Winfrey. A very hard time. Like, in the Iowa State game, I, I could have stopped and rewinded it and showed four or five times where the nose tackle, like – didn't make the play, but he shoved Schneider so far back in the backfield that it dictated where the play was going. Yeah. Like, if Perrin Winfrey's up against that, good luck. Yeah. 
and that's that is a major major problem. And if penetration starts can come up the middle on Spencer Sanders, and now he's having to evade pressure that's trying to contain him, and Winfrey and Thomas in the middle are just dominating. Um, Sills is good at left guard, really good at left guard, not good at left tackle at all. He's the one who got kicked out to tackle against Kansas State. But now this is a. I don't know what to make of, like, you kind of pointed this out. I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State's offense. I know they're good enough to be able to have some big plays and score some points. Um, like they usually are like, like, in this yeah, game. T- like, yeah, like they typically are. And they don't have the f- explosiveness that the Mason Rudolph teams had. They don't have the explosiveness of the Brian Whedon teams. It's very 2013-esque where they have a bunch of really talented defensive players and an, an average offense that can make plays when they're asked upon to. But they don't – like, this is a game where – offensively, like, it almost would serve them best if they played keep away. Like, if they just burned as much time as they possibly could and kept the ball away from Oklahoma, I think that's a very big – because then that puts a lot of pressure on Oklahoma to go score against a a good defense. And I know we're about to get into that matchup, but um, no, just to finish up for me on the Oklahoma State offense, I I think that I'm pretty sure Oklahoma will be fine in the run game. The missed tackling worries me a little bit for Oklahoma. And then I just don't – whenever they get spread out wide, like, and they get in a one-on-one with Tylen Wallace, and they're going to have to be able to win that one-on-one matchup. It's probably three or four times. Three or four times they're going to line up Spencer – they're going to line up Tylen Wallace outside where the only way you can defend it is he play man-to-man, and Trey Brown's going to have to go win it. And we'll see what happens with that scenario, but I'm just – there's a lot about what Oklahoma State does offensively that if the missed tackles do show up, it does, it does, it should, I think it should worry you, like, a lot. They, yeah. Because they immediately the RPO game starts picking up. Immediately they, all the underneath stuff seems to open up a little bit more, um, a, little more a little more time in the pass game on play action, you know, this and that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't foresee that happening. I think Oklahoma will be fine in the run game. Um, and then overall just, you know, I think Spencer Sanders will get rattled. I'm pretty sure of that. And if that's the case, then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a good chance that Oklahoma can win by a couple touchdowns. I just like, – it, it's kind of like what both of you guys have said so far. And it's really this is the matchup that defines, d- dictates the game. And I just don't know who what's going to happen. Well, like, none of to us be, do, to be, really. To be well, – right, We can't – can't see the future no yeah i get that can you though no uh, but i'm just i like from some you know this some games i head into it and i have a pretty good idea of what's what the other team's going to do this and that like i don't know what oklahoma state's going to try to do offensively i don't know what oklahoma's going to try to do defensively to corral tylen wallace and it's going to be uh, it's gonna be very intriguing to see it, it's probably the matchup that you don't that nobody really has if they try to tell you they know what's going to happen nobody knows what's going to happen go ahead Hi, sorry, still here. Uh, Trevor's Trevor's back. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, hi, um, Keegan. This is totally in the hypothetical, and we've talked so much about Oklahoma's defensive line and and how how clearly they have such an advantage in this matchup. It's on paper, it seems. The word elite, you're starting to see that float around, and obviously it's it's very Oklahoma Homer Twitter, I'm sure. But you know, Tim Brando said this. Against All right. First off, Prando's an idiot, but go ahead. I agree, but what I'm saying is like you have a national pundit sitting there that's saying, you know, this Oklahoma defensive front looks like some of the the Oklahoma defensive fronts you were accustomed sure. to seeing in the early 2000s. 
so the question is, I think a lot of people just say Oklahoma State's the best defense in the Big 12. But because of Oklahoma's how, how skilled they are, that position group, uh, defensive line, who truly has the better advantage? Who's truly the better unit? Oklahoma State's defense or Oklahoma's defense? Have they turned the corner? Are they, are they there yet? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's defense is a little more sound. They're a little more solid. They work together a lot better. Um, they, like, they're much better at linebacker. I've talked about that with Brady quite a bit. And I think that's probably what gives them the edge. The biggest thing is that would hurt Oklahoma State is that whenever they do face a really good offensive line and a, a team that can push them around a little bit, those linebackers that are a little bit lighter, they're more athletic, they make plays, but there's less room for them to make plays up the field, and especially in the running game. And that does worry me for them a little bit. I know we're about to get into the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State defense, um, Oklahoma offense, Oklahoma State defense, but, yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation. I just – I would take Oklahoma State's just because they're such more – they're more solid in the back end. And in this conference, in the in college football nowadays, it just you have to be good there. And Oklahoma's questionable at times. And sometimes you don't get home, and sometimes you have to cover. And and sometimes it's points this year. Oklahoma's not been able to do that. And so it's I would definitely take Oklahoma State's defense overall. But you know you get into a big time game, and Oklahoma State's defensive line can't get a push, and Oklahoma's can. I think that does make a difference. Does that you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I think I totally agree with you. I, I, it across the board, they're, they're a way more balanced defense. I think, I think the better unit, I think the best unit. I defer. I think Oklahoma's defensive line is borderline to being one one of the best, it, definitely in the Big Twelve, and I think they're entering that conversation nationally of being a really elite group. Um, and so, it, it just yeah, that's kind of the interesting dynamic that I was looking at. And to your point about offensively what can Oklahoma State do again it goes back to I think you're asking the question of is Mike Gundy going to be something he's not and I think there's a lot of hope and prayer that Mike Gundy schematically is going to come up with something different that's going to catch you know catch people off guard do things differently and what in his tenure at Oklahoma State and especially in this matchup has he ever done to truly make people go whoa I did not see that coming I think that's a lot of hope and dreams for, for Oklahoma State. I, I think it's, it's got to be something different. Not to try to cut you off. I think having Casey Dunn helps out a lot with that because they were a lot more creative in that Texas game than they've ever been. And they've been pretty good in the like, cre- play creation, you know, play design, all that, all that stuff with Dunn. So maybe it is coming along. I don't – like the, some of the things they ran against Texas coming off, I don't know if they had a bye week before or what, but, you know, it was really impressive. And I'm ex- I'm interested to see how Dunn attacks Oklahoma's defense because, as Brady has heard me say, and if Trevor, you listen to podcasts, he already say this: if you teams will just go empty, four wide, tack under tack underneath, and then a pop over the middle of the field, a play action pass, an RPO, whatever. Oklahoma can't defend that; they're way too aggressive, and it's just teams have had the inability to do that. Texas Tech tried to do it it didn't work they just the game sped up a little too much there's passes behind drop passes this and that um a good team can do it and can oklahoma state do it this weekend i don't think that's the their best bet of winning this game um but yeah to your point it's just 
I think adding Casey Dunn to the mix, who's a young guy who's not afraid to be trying things, um, I, I think you'll see stuff this weekend we haven't seen them run that this year. I want to change my mind really quick before you guys get, get uh, go to the other side of the ball. Um, impact player, and I was thinking about this, is a guy that, that gets a lot of criticism, and rightfully so. If he doesn't get ejected, <laughs> I think people probably know where I'm going with this. I think Brendan Radley-Hiles actually has a really good chance to be very successful in this game. Um, if he plays. What? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We'll, and we'll leave that at that. Yeah. Trevor. There you go. Well, so then maybe I'll change my mind again and go back to Ronnie Perkins. But <laughs> uh, it, if, if, if Buki plays, I really like his ability to be able to take away you know, those, those possibilities underneath. We've seen how good Buki can be at sniffing out a screen, going sideline to sideline. He's athletic, but you you have my attention now, so I'll, I'll defer back to you. There you go. Oh, it's just we are. Is this the deepest we've gone into one game this year? I feel like I feel I feel like Texas. we've got. I think we're going deeper into this game. I mean, because, I think because at least with Texas, there is a track record of bad teams in that series playing above their heads. This series, however, no. You can pick some examples, but there's not a track record. These Two of these teams are worthy of playing in the Big 12 Championship, and it's kind of a shame the way things are that they probably won't be able to play each other in the championship game um, after this week. So, oh well. But, Keegan, let's jump over to the offense, and to me, we don't even have to spend that much time on it because we kind of already understand like the, um, the matchups here, you know, to further along the whole, like, Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner have 57 catches. Everybody else mm-hmm. has 53. Um, you just look at OU's pass catches. You've got Marvin Mims, I think, leads the team with 25. And then you've got guys with 24, 23, 14, 17, 16. Like, it's just balanced. It's a Lincoln-Riley yep. passing attack, which is exactly what you want. And Ramondre Stevenson, who's only played two games and really has only played about maybe a full game in terms of how many, time, how many plays he's actually played in – both the Texas Tech and Kansas game. It's not a lot, but he has six catches, and it's second on the team for running back. So it, it's fairly apparent Lincoln wants to get Ramondre out um, involved in the passing game, which he's he's good. Like He's very good. And I just want to bring this up first and give a shout-out to our good friend uh, Grant Benson from the West of Everest podcast because he was talking about this. And this is going to appear like a hot take, but I agree with him because I thought this – I didn't think this last year, but I – Obviously, I think you knew that I loved Ramondre Stevenson last year. But on the latest West of Everest podcast, Grant said, in his opinion, he thinks Ramondre is better than L.D. Brown and Shuba Hubbard. I agree. And I agree. And if we say that publicly, we get crucified. Because we have to accept that Shuba Hubbard should have been a great NFL draft pick last year if he had came out. And L.D. Brown has overperformed this season and is OSU's best running back just because of the situation with their offense and his physicality. But if you say, oh, no, I think Ramondre Stevenson's better, then it's like, no, you sooner homer. But, I mean, what can he not do? And Yeah, I no, I, I agree. Would I have said that a year ago? No. Would I say that in 2020? Yes. And I wouldn't have said that a year ago, but yeah. No, yeah, I know, absolutely. I think you get what I'm saying. And I think that's the biggest probably X-factor point of this game because – I don't. I am not because you'll get what I'm saying, Brady and Trevor. You said you listen to the podcast, so Liar. I've mentioned and mentioned that Oklahoma runs the football well. 
out of with an H back, Jeremiah Hall on the field. They run the football so well with him on the field. I have a weird feeling that Lincoln's just gonna gut this one. I I hope so. That Ramondre Stevenson can change completely change this game, and it, like those linebackers tackle well, the safeties tackle well, but not a lot of people tackle Ramondre Stevenson well. They didn't tackle him well last year in the in the Big Twelve Championship game. Um, you even go look at the Tech game. I know, obviously, scenarios are completely different. Defense is not. He had like 14, 15 touches or whatever. I think he got tackled a total of five times. Yeah, I think he, I mentioned he that either, to you. He either scored or was run out run, of bounds. Run out of bounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, or ran himself. Yeah, yeah, either ran a guy over and then ran himself out of bounds. Yeah. And, no, he's just he's extremely impressive, and I think it could be a huge factor in this game. I mean, you go look at a year ago, and I, we talked about this on Tuesday, where in Oklahoma ran it 26 times in the second half of their 33 plays. Like, like Lincoln's not afraid to do it. Like, he – he obviously needs to early on in the game see how Oklahoma State's defending them. See if um, I've pointed out in the West Virginia game, they defended an H back on the field differently than how they did with Iowa State. They stacked the box yep. a little bit more with Iowa State. I would assume they Oklahoma State would do that against Oklahoma. That if that happens, then that opens up more one on one scenarios with Marvin Mims, and you're basically betting on Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss and Austin Stogner and um, those guys having success. And I, I mean, those guys should. I mean, they're just as talented or even more um, than the guys are going against. So, but no, the running game in this game is, I have man, Ramondre even said mandatory. Um, we've heard Oklahoma state people. Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if a player or coach actually had said this, but um, you know, I believe I've heard them talk about how important the running game is going to be in this game as well. And it, it is it's stopping o- Oklahoma. If Oklahoma gets a running game going, it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma state. It's going to be a 31, it's going to be a you know, thirty-four twenty. It's going to be. It's going to feel like Oklahoma just milk this thing out, and they have a chance to. I really, truly do. So we'll see, um, kind of what happens on Saturday. But I, I, I like Oklahoma's chances to run the football in this game, and that's what I think of all the things that give me confidence in Oklahoma winning. It's that I think they're going to be able to run the football well. I hope so. I hope Lincoln, in fact, does it. But I'm going to do something a little interesting, a little thought experiment. If I'm Mike Gunny, if I'm OSU's offense, if I'm Casey Dunn, here's what I – or who's their defensive coordinator? I just screwed that one up. Who's their defensive coordinator? If I'm that guy. Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles. If I'm Jim Knowles, here's what I do. I assume Lincoln Riley won't run the ball initially. I assume Lincoln Riley won't do what we're all praying that he does. Just do that simple thing. Don't get cute. Don't try to be the air raid guy. Just do the easy thing so we can all go home at a reasonable hour. I'm going to assume that he's not going to do that. So what I do as a defense is not load up the box and ask Spencer Rattler to beat us because he he will do that. That's exactly what Spencer Rattler would do. Yep. So what I do is I try to take away Austin Stogner. If you take away Austin Stogner from this offense, I really I could really see Spencer Rattler going, okay, oh shit, he's not there. And then that's where the factor of turnover could kind of happen. And then maybe you get into a situation where OU starts to play from behind where they can't run the football. So what I think will happen is OSU will try to take away the running game first because that's, that's what the cliche smart thing to do when you're playing a redshirt pressure quarterback who does have some film on him where he you know, turns the football over sometimes. But I would just try to take Austin Stogner away. And tell me why that could work, or tell me why OSU won't do that. No, I mean, they have to. It's clear that Austin Stogner 
is a guy that continues to give Oklahoma a good matchup problem for other teams, and um, I think I think they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to be pretty good. Um, Oklahoma State in, the, in defending Austin Stockner, they're going to have to be able to keep him from getting those big plays on third down, um, getting you know first downs a little bit, <laughs> getting in more favorable situations, you know, second and one, second and three. Um, it, it's important for for Oklahoma State it has to be a focal point of what they do and uh, it's going to be interesting just to overall see um, you know how Oklahoma State does that if Oklahoma State brings a safety into the picture to do it it could definitely uh, you know cause a problem for Oklahoma State in terms of getting guys in more one-on-one matchups and opening more things up in the running game especially the quarterback running game so I'm I will see I you know (laughs) all right I'm <laughs> I'm going to have to stop for a sec. No, uh, shout out to uh, Darren Presley. He uh, is actually here and took a picture. And uh, I didn't know we had another special guest, Joe Bettner, from the Norman Transcript on. It's pretty uh, funny. No, no, no. But, uh, you know, mistakes were made. Uh, Trevor, yeah. you're not Joe Bettner. I wish I was. I wish I was Joe Bettner. Yeah. I would like a consistent paycheck and salary. Moving on, Keegan. So... Um, no, I, I just, I'm already losing hair. I'm already losing like a little bit of my life expectancy because I know I'm going to get upset and probably text you and all my other friends. Why isn't he running the football? Why isn't this, why is this game continuing to keep going in a competitive way when it's fairly certain that OU should be dominating and be solidly ahead? But maybe Lincoln Riley will do differently. Maybe the weather could potentially play a factor in that we've seen that in bedlam over the last few years but if you had to pick a receiver because you already mentioned marvin mims we've kind of already talked about austin stogner i mean this is a this is a perfect opportunity for drake stoops to kind of add to his surprising little ou legacy that he's began this year (laughs) why is it so surprising brady well it's surprising because the dude is five foot eight and okay yeah i'm sorry i i Thought we were, I thought we were over this. I've never had anything wrong. I've, there's been nothing with me on Drake Stoops. I just didn't think he was going to do that much here because he's not tall. And I just assumed he's – I don't know. Like, I didn't watch a lick of his film. So, yeah, color me shocked that he's been so damn good this year. And I'm, I'm happy to see it. But, I mean, they're going to have all the attention on Austin Stogner. They're going to have all the attention on Marvin Mims. They're going to have all the attention on Ramondre Stevenson as much as they can. That's where Drake Stoops can thrive. That's where Theo Weiss can thrive. That's where Jeremiah Hall can thrive. And that's why, going back to that silly thing I said earlier about Oklahoma State and how heavily reliant they are on two guys, that's why I think it's easier for OU secondary to have a rather good performance because – the likelihood that o, some random OU guy has a good game is much higher than some random OSU guy having a good game. Sure. Offensively. Yeah. And uh, I had to check on some things. So kind of missed a little bit of what you said. There's a report that Stogner is not playing now tomorrow. So I am – or now he's not playing on Saturday. So I am checking on that as we speak. I think I would probably Ooh. be able to have the right person to talk to for that. So we will, we will check on that. But, no, I Brady – yeah, I, I, just the overall fact that like, I guess let's also put it this way. I, I know we haven't a lot of talked about the offense. I want to say um, Spencer Rattler, he, he's he's got to get, he's going to get hit a couple times in this game. He's got to be able to bounce back from that. 
Um, running the football is going to be important. I think Oklahoma should win enough on the outside um, to have the success. So we will definitely, uh, you know, see what kind of happens there. But to your point into what you were saying, I want to say this. Like, if both teams lined up, matchups, you know, weather was the same, neutral field, everything, everybody was healthy, this and that. I mean, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma State can just show up and win. Like, and I think that's the biggest hang-up that I have with this game. That I just, I feel that Oklahoma State, it, you know, or feel I sorry, sorry for saying that. I feel like Oklahoma that they should be able to show up and win that game if that if that were to happen. And I think that's what gives me confidence. I think Oklahoma has when where where they do have the advantages, they have some serious advantages. Yeah, that that that's kind of where I, I I wanted to ask you guys. It seems so much like the assumption is that Oklahoma should should show up and win this game, but Oklahoma State's played they've played well all year. That you know that this is a very very good football team and honestly quite possibly the most balanced Oklahoma State team that I can remember in recent memory. Um, question marks aside, uh, you know, across their offensive line, they're so solid defense. What I wonder is like who has the advantage? Does Oklahoma have the advantage over Oklahoma State's defense? Or who's the, who's the better unit? And I think the assumption is is that Oklahoma has the playmakers to really, you know, do things in space, create mismatches, create problems for Oklahoma, a really, really good Oklahoma State defense that I expect to play very well. But the assumption is, is that Oklahoma's going to go out and execute. And my big question to that is, is what specifically on the offensive line has changed since weeks one and two? I know obviously a lot, it's theoretical, but what changed from weeks one and two to now where I f- we feel like that there is a consistency to see Oklahoma do what Oklahoma has done under Lincoln Riley in recent years and go out and dominate, run the football well. That to me, one, like the, with how good Oklahoma State's defense is, does Oklahoma, is Oklahoma going to be able to score points? Like, are they, are they as good offensively as we think they are? Or is it fool's gold? I, I think you talk about what this offensive line can do in this game. Um, they... Obviously, Trace Ford, big-time player. I've highlighted him already this week. Um, highlighted him again in the Iowa State a couple times, in the Iowa State game. I just don't know if, like, like those guys are good. Like, are they better than what Oklahoma has in the offensive line? And that's something that I, I'm hung up on. It, Like, those guys can make plays, but can they make plays against Oklahoma's offensive line, who will probably be the best offensive line they'll play um, in the Big 12 this year? Am I wrong on that? I'm right on that, right? Like, although they haven't been that good, Brady, Oklahoma has been has the best offensive line, right? In the conference, in the Big Twelve. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they can deal with it. I think getting Trace Ford on Eric Swenson's a bad idea um, for Oklahoma. Great idea for Oklahoma State. So we'll see what kind of happens with that. But I, I, I have enough confidence in that group to be able to hang up enough. And then you add in how good they've been in pass protection against blitzes. And I've said this, and I've said this, and I've said this for three weeks, four weeks now. And it's going to be big. It's going to be very important, and I'll have something on that. Um, but before the game on Saturday, probably Saturday morning, on um, the, how important the pass protection is going to be in this game. And it, it's extremely important. The running backs have been good in pass pro, um, especially against blitzes as well as the offensive line has since the Texas game. And that's yep. going to be extremely, extremely important. Yeah, uh, 
third down performance is going to be incredibly important in this game. And OU offensively, like in terms of them converting third downs, is very good, and it's trending almost to elite. You know, they're getting into the basically more than half the time they're almost converting their third downs. Whereas OSU is, they're they're good, but in my opinion, based more so just on watching their last three games start to finish, like I've done the last two weeks, uh, it's trending in the wrong direction. And a lot of that is just because of Spencer Sanders' inability to make a decision, make a play, in spite of things breaking down because of all the offensive line woes and what that leads to. So um, OU offensively, I mean, they're going to have their pick of the litter, but they still have to perform. And like we've said, this is a gigantic step up in competition because um, just what you can say about their third down conversion rate, I mean, OSU's defense on third down is the best in the country. They've had 90 third downs, and they've only given up uh, 21 for, or first downs on those third downs. So it's, it's a gigantic step up in competition and quality of opponent, quality of play. Uh, but Keegan, any other final thoughts before I get – we get to the three bedlam memories. No, I stage. think we've hit on basically everything. I, I I think that this game, just in general, and reiterate again, just the fact that I don't, I'm not sure about much. I think I know, but I'm not a hundred percent sure about much. I, I I think Oklahoma wins the matchup with Jake Springfield. Um, I think they hold up well enough in the in the pass protection. Um, and those and those two things alone, I think, gives Oklahoma all the edge they need in this game. Um, they can't miss tackles, can't um, can't get too many penalties defending Tylen Wallace, can't let Spencer Sanders. Whenever they have a chance to get to him, they need to get to him. Can't let him evade the pocket, be able to be able to make plays outside of it. And then just overall, you know, you're you're talking about you know a game that you look at Oklahoma's strength and you look at Oklahoma State's strength and. Um, they're going up against each other, and it, it's it's probably one of the more intriguing matchups, you know, for one side of the ball against each other in college football. I'm very interest, interested to see. I know Florida Georgia was one, um, and, I, and I believe Oklahoma's offense, it's Oklahoma State's defense is going to be another. Prediction? I like Oklahoma, and yeah, this is why I said you're going to be upset with me. I'm picking it right on the line. I like Oklahoma 31-24. I'm going to say OU's going to win 48-38. to I think this is going to be a rather high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a lot of big plays then. Yeah, because I think some things are going to continue trending in the direction that they that we've seen, and I think some things are going to give. So you know, a lot of that's just okay. OU's last three opponents have not been good, so I feel like that a lot of the cool factor, a lot of like the the clean play, that's going to give a little bit. So I think you're going to see maybe maybe in the middle of the game, it's like rather exciting, big play after big play, and we're all screaming about the defense here and there and hashtag Mike's guys or whatever. But uh, I think as the game wears on, I think that's when Lincoln Riley goes, all right, here you go, Ramondre, go take us home. And I think that's where OU starts to control. So, um, which would then open up the scenario for me screaming at you via text, Keegan, as why are we not running the football? So, as we get to the very end of this podcast, like I asked you on Tuesday, Keegan, three bedlam memories. From it could be all the way back from when Keegan was a wee little lad to you know more recently. Player performances. I mean, people are going to hate this, but I, I mean, how can you not? I was at the Tyreek Hill repunt game. I laughed. I laughed as it occurred. And then. 
like a madman. I wouldn't say that's top three. I just have to mention that out there. That is one of the top moments in Bedlam. One of my favorite uh, Aggies of all time, Madison Morris, was not at that game. She oh. was a freshman in college, I believe. She if famously was at an Aaron Carter concert in Tulsa. Oh. So she didn't get to enjoy that. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. Uh, 2013 Bedlam, it's hard to ignore that. Um, you could throw Jalen Saunders's punt return. You could throw Michael Honeycutt's touchdown. You could throw in Jalen Saunders's receiving touchdown um, in the conversation there. 2012 Bedlam, I was at the Brennan Clay overtime. I left. You, you did? <laughs> I left right before Jalen Saunders returned a punt. I, I was just, I was done with that team. Like, the, it had really little to do with the game. I was just done with that 2012 team. And then. The Landry Jones 2010 game with James Hanna and Cameron Kinney being the heroes. Oh, were you there? I was not there. I was in Stillwater. That was fun. It was cold. I mean, you had a James Hanna 80-yard touchdown pass to go ahead, and then OSU returns the kick all the way for a touchdown, and then two or three plays later on third down, Cameron Kinney goes 77 yards for a touchdown. So that was that was exciting. That was also the game where Ryan Burrells got punked, and then the OSU defender, like, Punched it out um, from out of bounds, like while yeah. he's in midair for the interception. So Ryan so Boyle's punt return to 2009 was pretty badass too. It was the slowest, best punt return I've ever seen. The guy just knew how Man, to run, work in space. It wasn't that Ryan Boyle's is slow. It's just that he cut sideways upfield, so it just it looks like from the camera angle that he's running so slow. But you know, Ryan Boyle's is he was quick. So um, I would say for me, who. 2003 was awesome. The goal line stand was – I wasn't there, but watching it on TV, it was awesome. 52-9, to nine, uh, Bob calling a wide receiver reverse pass when they were up 38 points is funny. Um, 2013 is going to be awesome for Blake Bell. Oh, you played three quarterbacks that game. They technically had four guys throw a pass in that game. So I, I'm, I need to ask our good friend Blinken Riley, when was the last time OU was – won a game with more than three guys throwing a pass in the same game. Do you remember who the third one, the fourth one was? No. You put out that st- you put out a stat that this is connected to earlier this oh, week you're about talking about the Grant put, you're talking about the Grant Bothoon? Botham? Botham? Yeah. Bothoon. So Kendall Thompson threw a pass, Blake threw a pass, Trevor Knight threw a pass, I think. And Grant, yes. Botham. Botham. So boom. Bothoon. Botham. And, oh, how about 2004? Four, Adrian Peterson, Mark Bradley, big-time touchdowns. Those are mine. What game was it at home when Peterson had the big game? Was it 06? 05. It was 05? Yeah, he had two, like, 70-plus-yard touchdown runs. I just remember because I was in the parking garage. It was Mike Gundy's first uh, OU game as a head coach. Um, I was in the parking garage, and at that time, I think you still can. You can see the big board, and it was just – Every time, every time OU got the ball, you get to see Adrian Peterson running in that side of the end zone. It was a pretty wild experience, big time. Obviously, uh, not a bad football player. Not bad at all. This podcast, not bad. I would assume. Hopefully, you all enjoyed it. Keegan, thank you. No, thank you, Brady. No, you've no, had no. the lo- you've had the long day. No, 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 no. You've had the long day. No, you've had no Wi-Fi, Trevor or Joe Bettner in disguise because you haven't taken your mask off. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys for having me and talking movies. Appreciate it. Of course, I want to start a movie podcast because those don't exist. Trevor, you and me need to get on it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Uh, 
subscribe to the Patreon. That, once again, is patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. $4 a month will get you the post-game show that will come out uh, following Bedlam Saturday. Going to be a late game, so bear with us. Um, but that will get you that. And then $5 a month gets you the uh, post-game show and Keegan's film review. And by the time you get this, I will have Texas Kansas State done. Yes, so be well-versed in the Oklahoma State offense and defense on our Patreon page. We will appreciate that. Uh, also appreciate Vanessa House for taking care of us. And don't forget about their turkey drive. Uh, from now until the 22nd, come donate a turkey for somebody in need, and you get entered into a raffle to win some cool prizes from some local companies. Vanessa always has some cool things going on, so give them a shout. We'll appreciate it. But everybody, thank you for listening Inside OU. Boomer Sooner.